It's time to watch your favorite TV program. Hit record on your VHS player. Tune in your NES and join Alan Price and Chris Vint with their views as we deploy Operation Retroshock. This is the way the world could end. Please, show some mercy. With ice. With a kiss. With venom. I probably should have mentioned this. I'm... Poison. Poison Ivy. And the only man who can stop them. Hi, Freeze. I'm Batman. Can't do it alone. Batman will watch his beloved Gotham perish. Bundle up, boys. There's a storm coming. Kill the heroes! The hockey team from hell! Cool party! Arnold Schwarzenegger. Alright, everyone! Chill! George Clooney. I'm not the marrying kind. I know you've had your wild nights. Good night. Wild doesn't doesn't quite cover it. Chris O'Donnell. Come join me. My garden needs tending. She loves me and not you, and it's driving you crazy. This is why Superman works alone. Uma Thurman. So many people to kill. So little time. Alicia Silverstone. And you are? Batgirl. That's not awfully PC. What about... That person found the Batcave. She knows who we are. Guess we just have to kill her. In a Joel Schumacher film. Strength and courage. Partners. Honor. Partners. And loyalty. Freedom and justice. Partners. All comes together. We're going to need a bigger cave. Batman and Robin. And welcome back to another edition of Operation Retro Shock and our second part of Chris. Um, Batman, I think it was. Batman with her? <laughs> yes, Batman, my ears. And of course, coming on from the last one to this one is Mr. Lawrence Case. Hello again, Lawrence. I don't know why I'm waving at the monitor, but um, I'm just being... What's popping? Don't worry, I'm waving at the monitor too. <laughs> what's popping? That's right. Hey, that's his catchphrase and stuff is what's popping. What's popping? See? Stop looking at me. It's Lawrence's catchphrase, not mine. It's his. What's popping? It's MVP's catchphrase, actually. Just what's popping? What's poppin' peeps? Yo dudes, yo dudes, I need that for Miller. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll dive right into this, I think. Uh, into a nosedive for this sort of movie. Um, of course. Can I just say before we start that I don't... I have never watched this film from beginning to end. I've watched up to wherever George Clooney is standing on the balcony with Elle McPherson and that's as far as I got. So... 
I don't think that's actually not far into the movie. So I don't think I'm going to be much use in this one, but I'm just putting it out there. But I'll chime in and say how crud what I watched is. So there. Alrighty. Well. Uh, of Alrighty then. Of course, Chris is referring to Joel Schumacher's second uh, attempt, if you call it that, but, uh, at a Batman movie. I think he got uh, his kid to write this, to be honest. <laughs> um, obviously, straight off the bat, we have to touch on how truly awful is this film, considering what would be considered the star power, Lawrence? This film is one of the... <laughs> Sorry. Can you put a beep in? Yeah, we can put this a beep in. This film is one of the films ever made. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. I just like the fact that I wasn't expecting that big of a reaction from Lawrence, which is why I laugh. I just expected this is really bad film because Lawrence is so laid back. And, this is a really bad film. This uh, film know. is awful. This film is so bad. I'm sorry, the people who are going to listen to this podcast are going to get a bit of negativity, but then it's going to build into an amazing crescendo of one of the greatest films ever made. But this is the worst film ever made. This is terrible. This is b- worse than Wrong Side of the Town with Batista in. <laughs> it would rank up there, and like I, I remember watching the film Species, and I was just like, "Oh my god, this is so bad." And it was I just that had like you know Natasha something or other in it with her yeah. kid off, so that was fine. But um, yeah, as this film is that bad. That it's one of those films, like Catwoman, that I've never watched from beginning to end and never plan to. Because <coughs> I have better things to do with my time than watch George Clooney. Um, yeah, George Clooney, you're a complete and utter bleep. I'll just bleep myself there. We'll, we'll, talk about, we'll talk about him very shortly. Yeah. We'll talk about him very shortly. I, can't, I can only think of one positive out of this, which is Arnie. And even that is really no, pushing no. it. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that's re- but as I say, that's really pushing it. It comes to something whenever one of Arnold Schwarzenegger's subpar performances is the, the best thing about this absolute dog turd of a film. There are there there are there are one there's one thing maybe two that I think on this film that make it that good. The only thing where it shows Arkham Asylum storage room when you see the Riddler's coat. So that's yeah. cool. And the only bit when Batman says this is why Superman works alone, he mentions Superman. That's it. That's the only two good things about this film. And Elle McPherson's in it and she's hot. I thought whenever you said about the two things, I thought you were just going to say Elle McPherson leg one and Elle McPherson leg two. And when this film ends, that's the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> Refunds. Yes. yes. I mean, at the start of this film, the first line is, I want a car. Robin Williams. Oh, no, yes. <laughs> Alan, you haven't said what do you think about this film? I, I don't think there's much I can really add to <laughs> yeah, what's but you, already been said. You need, to add, you, know. uh, you need to add Alan Price's opinion. The a- APO. Hang on, dudes. I'm going to have to. Someone's come into my house. Crap. Twig or tweet! <laughs> Um, the big reason, well, 
sorry, how can you say a big reason for this movie being rubbish because there are so many of them? Yes. Um, the part that really orcs me is, again, how can you have one thing that orcs you? <laughs> um, is the fact that in this movie we have Batman and Robin playing ice hockey to get a diamond off Freeze. Why uh, do Batman and Robin play ice hockey or skate? Oh, I don't know. I didn't even know that was in that film. That is. That is for you. <coughs> the luckiest thing in your life to have is not to have this memory. Well, I've seen the Belfast Giants play, so it mustn't be that bad. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Kapow! Do not, do not that, slag off that, my ice hockey. That's what that scene is like. It's actually like an old Batman film. Yeah. You know, if they put that, it would fit it perfectly. <laughs> but for a motion picture and what is meant to be this, and you haven't go and pay money to watch this exactly. drivel. Ugh. I wonder how many. I wonder how many people actually went to get a refund for this. I'm sure there was probably enough. Yep. And I wouldn't blame them one bit. No. They probably, they probably went up to the counter and went, "This film isn't cool." <laughs> <laughs> Tonight, put it in the freezer. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, of course, this movie starred uh, George Clooney, Ooh. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, um, uh, everyone should get a boo in this film because <laughs> Uma Thurman, boo, and Alicia Silverstone. Fat boo. <laughs> she's only cool because she's an heiress with music videos in the early nineties. <laughs> um, if you had to pick one. And this is going to be a hard one. <laughs> this is going to be a hard one. Lawrence, in your opinion, who gave the best performance and why? <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence, are you there? <laughs> uh, I know it is a stupid question, but you know, we have to try. <sighs> I, I can't. But Alfred, Alfred, the guy who played Alfred. <laughs> I think that's a fair point. <laughs> What's his name? Oh, Michael Goff. Michael Goff. I was Michael Goff, yeah. Michael uh, Goff. What about you, Chris? I would say Arnie. Just the fact that it's so cheesy, and, you know, like, it's just some of the best lines. Like, tonight a freeze is coming, and go like, we're not sitting, we do the cola, and things like that. That's the only reason why I would pick Arnie. George Clooney, uh, yeah, you were fine. Don't, don't get me started on George Clooney. You, he is a glorified TV actor. Oh. Yeah. Clean and simple. He got flipping what is a quality. I'm TV scared. Movie. I'm scared here. Alan really? is really passionate. And it really Alan, there's like foam coming out of your mouth. I despise this man. Um, not because of the fact he gets that. his calendar year get over Christmas. He was the main reason my mum held up the TV at Blooming Night watching ER. Um, and also the fact of he does not have the quality to head such a movie as Batman he is again he has more emotion than Val Kilmer I will give him that but the simple fact of the matter is George Clooney he didn't have what I would feel the build of a Batman he looked really weak and just ugh, I oh no 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 if we're going to say that we've got to go back to Val Kilmer because he looked really weak there's that scene and when he's got his shirt off when he gets changed he looks like he should be Massive. He's Batman. He just looks like a little rat boy. Ratman, <laughs> like <laughs> rat, Ratman, Splinty the Rat. <laughs> Sorry, just on the balcony. Right <laughs> no, it's all right. It's okay. Um, 
it's just uh, yeah. obviously um, the, one of the main reasons apart from appalling acting and the likes is the plot line was hold on a minute this film had a plot line this is where I'm going it had about six different subplots this film this is what we're going to mention here is if you could call it that was wafer thin wafer thin mints <laughs> was a contributing factor to this that there was too many I would say villains and subplots and specifically uh, the loss of Tim Burton completely Lawrence no, this, this this film was just just rubbish. It's just, <laughs> there's no excuse for this film at all. No, t- if Tim Burton was there, I think the, the studio would have dominated him and told him to still make this rubbish film. This film is the worst film, and the, the, there's so many plots in it. There's the there's the main one with Freeze, and then there's the one of Freeze's wife when he's trying to make her get better. Then there's the Poison Ivy one, how she wants to stop make plants take over the world. Yeah. And then there's Leisha Silverstone with Alfred, how she's turned up. Then there's yep. Alfred not being very well. And then there's, there's Dick Grayson wanting to um, come out of Batman's shadow. It's just terrible. The right really this film. Is. It really is bad. Like, because the one that one of the ones that really pisses me off is... Whoa! Uh, and it's, I have to... It's strong words for such a rubbish movie. Ladies and gentlemen, let's apologise for the language of Alan Price <laughs> on said podcast, but... Right. Well, if you watch Batman and Robin, you would understand. And the studios never apologised for the film. I think we're allowed to swear if we're reviewing it. <laughs> yeah. Is the fact that uh, Alicia Silverstone's, you know, subplot with Alfred is so ridiculous. And there's absolutely no basis for it. Because she arrives and she says, well, I'm here to rescue Alfred because um, he has been your servant for like his whole life and he's not happy. Have you seen? Has she personally, you know, seen what Alfred does on a day-to-day basis, and this relationship he actually is meant to have with Bruce Wayne? Alfred was effectively Bruce's father after his parents died, so I think it's more than just him being like his butler. Yeah. You know, come on here, people. Oh, we're just because we know it should be much better than it flipping was. Any Batman shouldn't be this rubbish. Um, 1997 was obviously when the movie came out. The 1997 Razzie Awards gave this film 11 nominations. I'm sorry, but that's nowhere near enough. <laughs> you don't know how many categories they had, whether that was all the categories. Um, it got 11 nominations, including one, obviously enough, for Worst Picture. It should have them all for Worst, worst Picture. Batman Robin, Batman Robin, Batman Robin, Batman Robin, Batman Robin. Which one would you pick? So <laughs> should have done. Um, is this one of the films you watched once, Lawrence, and then never again, or did you actually subject yourself to it again? No, because it's always on Sky Movies. <laughs> every day every other day this film is on Sky Movies I don't know what they're doing maybe they put this on to say this is a bad film now these are we've got other good films that we show other times this film's always on man it's always on it's terrible I I just if I had my choice no I actually I think the thing is I would watch it again because it's that bad and it's just (laughs) do you know what I mean you watch you think oh no oh no oh no all I've got to say, one thing is, back credit card. He's got, he's got a credit card. Batman's got yeah. a credit card in this film. 
That's ridiculous. Again, another magically appearing item, like the coin. Batman has a credit card? Batman has a credit card to buy Poison yeah. Ivy. Yeah, because there's a point in the movie where Poison Ivy arrives and it's basically a date with her or something along those They're lines. Bidding on women. Yeah, and it's a case of Batman and Robin are standing there in full, you know, regalia, full outfits, everything. And uh, Bruce starts bidding on Poison Ivy. And Robin replies with bids. And Batman's like, oh, you can't afford it. And he says, I'll borrow it from you. How's that going to work? And then Batman, you know, wins the bidding and he just flips out the credit card and it has the Bat logo on it and all that sort of stuff. It's just like, oh. Ah! He. What? Yeah. That, makes, credit card? that makes no sense. It'd be like, hi, I would like to apply for a credit card. That is fine. What is your share? What is your name? Batman. Your no, share no, no, name? No, no, no. It's a, it's a Batman bat credit card. It's not a bat. It's not a credit card in his name. It's a Batman credit card. Yeah. Like that's just bank, the bank that of Batman. That's ridiculous. It's just like you expect Batman to go in and what a Seven Eleven and go like just the milk. I've just thought that is the easiest way to track down who Batman is. Just trace the blooming transaction to the bank account. <laughs> the thing, the thing is, with, with this film, like Bat, like you say, how they were bidding on women at this charity auction. Batman in the first two films was just in the dark. No one knew who he was. No, he wasn't a public figure. Now, by the yeah. time this film's come along, he's doing charity auctions bidding on women. That sounds very seedy. It does, it's quite dodgy. I must admit. It's terrible, this film is so bad. I can't believe we're still talking about this film, if I'm honest. I feel well, sad. We've still, still a couple of questions left. I feel for it. sad. This, this is the one with the least number of questions as well, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, Victor Freeze's change... Um, Boring! ...is very much like the Jokers, in a sense. Um, Sorry, what? It is Because what? they both fall in to a container of liquid Ugh. of some form. Could they have invented a different way and a more original way of changing him from, you know, Victor Freeze to Mr. Freeze Lawrence? I think if they just put him on ice or kept him cool. I don't know, mate. This film, they could have thought of many different ways to make this film better. (laughs) They just didn't do it. You can't. This film's just bad. I can't. I keep saying it. I'm a bad. I'm a bad podcast reviewer. Aren't I? I just say this is bad. I don't. I you don't. I don't think any podcast reviewer or podcast team could actually pull out anything other than bad as every other word. Well, well I've got some one thing to say that was very positive about this film. The cover of it looked pretty nice. That was about <laughs> it. That was about it. No, the film's called Batman and Robin. It's that's the the title's even bad. Isn't it? I know. It, whereas, in actual fact, it's Batman and Robin and Batman. Yeah, you should just and really put and freeze should, and, and and. You should just really call it Batman and Friends. Go mm. camping or something like that. Sounds like an earnest. It film. is. It is. It's like the Care Bears movie. Surprised it didn't break out into song in the middle of this. <laughs> Maybe that was something that Schumacher wrote. Batman yeah. and Robin dance with Poison Ivy while Sarah in her is singing uh, this song. Oh, and please get through I these think, questions. I think, I think we're. I'm actually going to uh, skip the questions because we're at a point okay. where we've pretty much rambled on, and we've actually already covered them because we've mentioned obviously Poison Ivy trying to turn them against each other, and that stupid bidding war. There you go, just Chris, you well, tear up the well, stuff there's, there. There's the one thing in this film they try and make a moral thing of it, isn't there? Where like Batman yes, and Robin, when Robin and Batgirl are falling and Batman doesn't catch them to save them 
And yes. At the end, Rob was like, you didn't catch me. Normally you do. He goes, well, I knew you'd be okay. Or just so, you know, Rob. Yeah. Just so I couldn't be bothered catching him because you're a whiny little git. And I feel like <laughs> this film is bad. I mean, if you look at the, um, there's a bit when all the cars are frozen, all the icicles are just all wobbly. Yeah. It's just, that was, oh. Oh, come on, please talk about the uh, one of the better films, please. Come on, please go from Batman. Or, or before we go, uh, Lawrence, how would you rank this film? Number Six, one. Number one. <laughs> You've already used your... Oh, you haven't used your number one. Okay, number uh, one. Number six. Number six. Uh, yeah, six for me. Alan? And obviously a six. Is that like a nine? <laughs> Is that a nine, yeah? No, that would be... Well, if I could rate it nine, I probably would. But... Uh, <laughs> Six it is. Okay. I'd give it right. infinity if I could. You know, <laughs> not be made. Yeah, so, uh, folks. Phantom Zone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Neil before Zod. And then super, um, Superman can take a dump on it. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Okay, so let's move from the, the great travesty that is Batman and Robin and move to Batman Baggins. Oh no, Batman Begins. Sorry, it's all that Batman and Robin talk. It's just not me for six. Quite literally, because we all give six. Yeah. And that way, six, 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 devil. Batman and Robin is the beast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So join us after the break, and we will talk about Batman Begins. You're listening to a podcast on PopCultureNetwork.com. Be sure to head on over to the site at www.popculturenetwork.com to check out more podcasts and videos featuring toys, comic books, video games, and all the things you love. And while you're there, be sure to check out the Pop Culture Network store, where everything you purchase helps to keep us producing. Just head over to popculturenetwork.com and click on store. What's up, folks? You are listening to Operation Retroshock with crazy cool Chris Vent and awfully awesome Alan Price. If one of your favorite retro memories happens to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, then by all means, check out Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk on PopCultureNetwork.com. Every week we get reacquainted with old friends from the original Playmates TMNT toy line. Fab Four fans new and old won't be sorry for checking it out. That's Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk, and you can only find it on PopCultureNetwork.com. Turtle Power! Tell us, Mr. Wayne. What do you fear? How do you know my name? The world is too small for someone like Bruce Wayne to disappear. Your parents' death was not your fault. My parents deserve justice. I cannot let that pass. If you make yourself more than just a man, then you become something else entirely. Which is? A legend, Mr. Wayne. Master Wayne. Are you coming back for long, sir? As long as it takes to show the people of Gotham their city doesn't belong to the criminals and the corrupt. Bruce? Rachel? You were gone a long time. I know. Things are worse than ever down here. What chance does Gotham have when the good people do nothing? 
No mix survival suit for advanced infantry. Careful law utility harness, gas powered magnetic grapple gun. What's that? On the tumbler? Oh, you wouldn't be interested in that. I spent a lot of time being scared for you. I heard you were back. But the man I loved. The man who vanished never came back. He's here. Who? The Batman. Gotham isn't beyond saving. Just hold on! Rachel! Guy dresses up like a bat clearly has issues. So, welcome back from the break, and, uh, we apologise for the travesty. Well, we shouldn't have to apologise. It should be fucking Joe Schumacher and all those numpties who decided to be fun to write it. But anyway, we're here to talk about the goodness and the gloriousness that is Before Batman it Begins. Again. It's not WrestleMania 20, you know. So, uh, Lawrence, some eight years have passed since the inverted commas death of Batman movies. Did this bring him back to the good old days via a great film? Yes, made him into a darker, more realistic tone. Definitely, this film did, didn't it? It was great. This film, this film was is is brilliant. And then, obviously, the one we're going to go on to next was even better. This this is a great film franchise, and it's fantastic. Yes, Alan. Oh yes, I think the big thing besides going back to the darkness is the fact that we. You know, we mentioned in the first Batman movie, we kind of see the seeds slightly of how Batman began in the sense of um, his parents dying. But in this, you really see where the big influence came from. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's slightly different from what we saw in the original Batman, that he falls down the well and all the bats rush towards him, and that's where kind of the impression comes from. But it's nice to see that they've just taken a slightly different, you know, route from that, and you actually see that from day one as a child, that's influenced his life. Yeah, I, I, I was um, when I first saw this film, though, I was very, I don't think I liked it the first time I saw it. I, oh, I think it was the same as you. It was the same with me. Just, and I think like, it's just, uh, it's a slow one. I think it was like Gladiator. I didn't enjoy the first time I watched Gladiator, but the second time I enjoyed it a bit more. I don't understand why they didn't have the Joker kill his parents. Mm. Well, obviously it was different, wasn't it? Different, just different storyline. So yeah, yeah. That that really annoyed me for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I th- it just it kind of brings it back to the good old days, and you have a good film to sit down and watch, and you know, like it's one of those films that you can really watch um, any time. And obviously, we have a couple of big profile names which we'll touch on later on. So, uh, Alan, um, the Batman movie returns to its core roots for the more mature audience making it more darker and stuff for you was this a welcome move after the campiness that was Batman and Robin with its rubber nipples shut up just shut up another Joel Schumacher awfulness but um, indeed it is and was a welcome return to what Batman should always be and that is an emotion picture serious 
a bit of darkness in there, a real good plot behind it, because there was a hell of a brilliant plot to this, because it takes you right through, explains not just how he became Batman, but also the you know, the likes of his fighting techniques that he learns and all that sort of stuff. So the likes of, you know, Nolan, who had, you know, this was his baby, his restarting of the franchise, it just, it can't be explained how good it was to feel, to see Batman back as strong as it was. Mr. Case? Oh, I totally agree. It was. It made it a lot more realistic, like Batman could actually happen. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like a, a dude could go and train up and then become this badass vigilante and that's what made these two films so good I mean I mean another thing with this film which made it so good was Christopher Nolan's direction yeah you know I love that all the um, all the, the shots they does flying over Gotham and it was Chicago obviously um, what was the film that came out in the summer of Leonardo DiCaprio in which Nolan directed oh Inception uh, yeah. yeah see that was the same like, and much like Dark Knight all those helicopter shots flying around I mean just the whole feel of this movie was like it, it's it's amazing. It's like a, it's like a nervous this and the, the Dark Knights. It's even more intense. It's like a nervous build. This great crescendo, which is a fantastic film. I think another big thing to do with the feeling is, and it's obviously it's the same with Dark Knight because it's Nolan is directing genius. Is the way you mentioned obviously the likes of the helicopter shots it's those shots mixed with the music that he has yeah, got yeah. for this movie you know the really strong beat to it yeah and that's what builds that nervous energy and then by the end oh brilliant film and then the next one oh, I can't wait to go on to that oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, it's nice to have it back to the darkness you know like um, obviously you have this almost like being the origin story of Batman and how it comes about and then the Dark Knight obviously it's dark as well hence why it's called the Dark Knight you know it's like some of the stuff that happens in that but I just enjoy watching Batman Begins and um, some of the thi- like villain things but uh, Lawrence um, I can't uh, okay uh, Christian Bale plays Batman in this <laughs> movie Obviously, this gentleman is better than Clooney, but in your opinion, is he better than Keaton? Hmm, I don't think so for this <laughs> film, no. That voice he does, though. Alfred! I mean, how could he do that? <laughs> his vocal cords. But, I mean, it's a good thing he's not a singer, because he would lose his voice. But, I mean... Uh, apart from that, he's great. He's a great Bruce Wayne. He's a great Batman. And Bruce Wayne is is a lot in this film. Obviously, he's a lot more in this film than probably any of the other previous Batman films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shows his training and all that. And he's great. He shows him young, which you didn't get to see in the other films. He shows him growing up. And um, the bit when he went to the court and was going to shoot the guy who killed his parents but then didn't. And shows his, his relationship with Rachel building when they were younger. Um, oh, yeah. But I don't think he's as good... For me, Ke- 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 Keaton's got like um, he's just crazy, and mm-hmm. I feel like he could be Batman because he's that crazy. Christian Bell, uh, I'm just I'm actually having a conversation with myself here right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're as good as each other. They go, I'll sit on the fence. Okay, I think with Christian Bale, I find. Do you ever watch Smallville, Lawrence? Do I watch Smallville? I watch yeah. Smallville all the time. Right, you know Lana Lang. Yeah. Yeah. With me, I find that Christian Bale and her whisper. They don't talk, they whisper. 
I find with Christian Bale, like as Bruce Wayne, he tends to whisper an awful lot, and it's like, what? What are you saying? There's a running joke I have with a friend, wherever I keep saying that Lan Lang, you know, like uh, Clark will say something, and Lan will just reply with. Older Smallville's with Lana Lang isn't very good, to be honest. No, no. Lewis, Lewis, that's fine. That's all gravy, but that's for a different day. But uh, yes. yeah, for for me, Michael Keaton nailed Batman and Bruce Wayne. But and Bale looked troubled, which was good. He played, he played it well. The ri- he played the rich man when he could be, because obviously when he was here, he was had the inter- internal turmoil of being Batman and all the troubles he's gone through. Then when he needs to be the rich man playboy he played that back very well as well I thought that brought some humour to the film mm-hmm. oh uh, for me um, <laughs> I still I me? think I think Keaton is the better Batman overall <clears throat> but I think Beale would be the better Bruce Wayne yes um, I think that's the way it works because Christian Beale obviously like Lawrence said we see a lot more of Bruce yeah. Wayne in this movie because it basically is a really big prequel to Batman because we see obviously him learning and all that sort of stuff you see again if we touch on the likes of Val Kilmer the emotionless let's not touch on Val Kilmer ever you know Val Kilmer very emotionless and all whereas Christian Bale you see the wide range from anger sadness you know the playboy aspect, you know, the fun going guy, mm-hmm. and you know, concern and all that sort of stuff. You see all those, you know, characteristics from Bale as Bruce Wayne. Yeah, his Batman again is a wee bit. It's lacking compared to Keaton's. Um, it can't, you know, it's still far above the likes of Val Kilmer and Clooney, you know. Mm-hmm. But it is. It's a wee bit. You have to question why did he do the voice? Why does Bat? You know, is that is is you know. Is his face mask, you know, so tight that it absolutely wrecks his throat or something that he can't talk properly? <laughs> oh, you know, is it a case of someone can't put his voice into an analyzer and work out that it's actually Bruce Wayne or something? Uh, but I know he's trying to sound menacing and you know evil, sort of a wee bit. But you know, that's a wee bit dodgy. Hey, but yeah, it's okay when he does it when he's shouting at someone, trying to yeah, definitely. Him. But then but when, when he's, he's just doing he's a just conversation with Gordon or or someone, or even when he like the bit when he gets the he scarecrows crazy powder in his face and falls down you know he sets on fire and he's, he's yeah. talking like you see you've done, you've done the bit Chris when he was going Alfred Alfred he's doing it there and it's like you don't need to do it there you know, <laughs> yeah. you know hopefully yeah. if they do a new one you, you won't have that because that was a big big problem with the film not a big problem was it a lot of people whinged about the voice of Batman mm. so Alan we see Bruce Wayne training with Raz Al Ghul yes, uh, he's the leader of the League of Shadows for you was it weird seeing Batman's different type of backstory and how he got trained um, up you know that kind of thing weird but good because um, it isn't just a case of miraculously this multi-million billionaire can actually in fact fight Mm-hmm. You know, I know if you're a multimillionaire, you could go out and get like karate lessons or sh- rubbish like this. But there's a lot more. <laughs> there's a lot more meaning to um, how Batman can actually fight people because he has went out. He trekked, you know, up the mountain. You know, recovered the flower, took it, you know, to Ra's al Ghul, Liam Neeson, and you know he accepted that. And you know he trained him. And you know I just love the scene where they're on the, the ice mm-hmm. and they're fighting away with the swords and. Uh, Christian Bale's using like so what is it the spikes on the yes. back of his sleeve and all that sort of stuff I think that's fantastic and getting to see 
just where it all just fits together and then the eventual return to you know Gotham mm-hmm. it's just it's a, it's a nice you know it's a good way to go about it Lawrence I don't think it was weird I think it was different and very good it was that it really developed the character and showed how he did become this badass vigilante which you didn't see in um you didn't see it in the first Batman you didn't, well in the uh, Tim Burton Batman did you how no. he became Batman and it's Obviously, it's called Batman Begins, so that's what the story had to do. It had to show his beginnings of how he became Batman. It's good. Mm-hmm. I like it. Very, very good to see a different take on how Batman, you know, came about. You know, rather than just being thrust upon us, we see the trouble he's gone through, the torment that he's gone through. You know, like, this guy's obviously mega rich, but he's still not happy. And then, obviously, you know, we can see the passion in him. You know, whenever he's with Alfred and he's um, saying about making a back cave and that kind of stuff. Um, Lawrence, we see Michael Caine as Alfred, Gary Oldman as Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter? <laughs> Sergeant Gordon and Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox, Aiden Wayne and becoming Batman. Um, for you, did these terrific actors help wipe the memory of the previous film being Batman? And these are, these are all top of the shelf actors, though, aren't they? Proper yeah. serious film actors, aren't they? Yes. And of course, it does. I mean, the Michael Caine as Alfred is awesome because he's yeah. such a he's such a big name actor and he's playing a butler, but it doesn't. He still plays it so well. And, but he's another one. He plays Michael Caine. It's Michael Caine in every film. Much like Jack yeah. Nicholson is Jack Nicholson in every film. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's, um, and it's just great. I, I love it. I, I think um, Lucius Fox was great. Morgan Freeman, he plays... He's always in so, so many serious films. He's also in a lot of funny films, but... You know, yeah, it does. did did definitely help wipe the memory of that terrible film. <laughs> and, you know, anything could have, couldn't it, though, you know? Yeah. Um. You can't you can't say enough about the likes of Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman, and the like Michael Caine. It's it is unbelievable to think that yes, he's playing a butler, but it's just such a pivotal character, and he makes it his own. You know, like Lauren said, it is Michael Caine, but everybody loves to see that. Everybody loves to see you know the Michael Caine mannerisms, the way he speaks, and uh, in this, he is the very he's not very I would say judgmental he just again nearly like God forbid to mention um, forever he teaches you know Bruce you know just these wee sayings and you know letting him know how to go through life you know just make things a wee bit better he's very knowledgeable he's knowledgeable yeah because of his background you know being in the war and all that sort of stuff Morgan Freeman tremendous actor I think the character Lucius Fox is you know a nice wee dynamic to the film you know this guy was involved with Bruce's father, you know, he was very high up in the company, yeah. but as soon as the likes of Bruce disappeared off the face of the planet after his parents died, just basically got chucked to the side. And I think Gary Oldman's Gordon is a bit like Max in Returns. Mm-hmm. He is very a background character in Begins, yeah. but he ties it all together and makes it really, really good. Yeah. I think, obviously, with the last one, we had so many big names and it was rubbish, whereas these ones here, you know, you've also went through a rigorous casting thing and, you know, as everyone said, Michael Caine is just fantastic as Alfred, you know, how he plays a butler with such sincerity and just honesty, really. And just, you know, like, you can see that, you know, um, there's a line in it wherever Bruce says to Alfred, you know, I thought, I'd, I thought you'd given up on me, to which he replies, never. 
you know, and that kind of thing. It's just, it's just the way they've all acted. It's just absolutely fantastic, and you know, like Morgan Freeman is just really just works well. Um, as I'm, you know, like whenever he says about the, like we call that the tumbler, and go like, what do you use it for? It's good, like, why do you want to know? And then yeah. you just see them spinning around, and it's just brilliant. But Lawrence, what did you think of the new Bat- Batmobile and its implementation in the script? I think it was great. It was awesome, wasn't it? Because it was, it was like a tank. But no, this is the thing with this film. When I first saw it, I was a bit like, hmm, I'm not sure if I like this film. You know, it was, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But then yeah. the second time you watch it, it was, it was amazing. And the Batmobile was another part of that. When I saw it the first time, I was like, hmm, I don't know if I like that Batmobile. We should be driving around in the car, not a big tank. And then it was just to see it the second time and, and watch it back and forth. It's it's brilliant. I love that Batmobile. It's it's, it's a badass machine, isn't it? Is <laughs> <laughs> it a tank, isn't it? What is it? What, is it a real, it's, um, is it a real thing? What it is is um, I'll begin by saying I absolutely adore this vehicle. I would absolutely love to have one of these. It is just it looks like the ultimate boys' toy, which ties in again to the fact that Bruce Wayne is the playboy, and he's like. That looks like that would be fun for a movie. Yeah, that's, that's basically why he took it there, wasn't it? They tried it downstairs. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the thing about it is, what it is, I think it's Lucius Fox explains to it, it was meant to go ahead of tanks in battle. And yeah. if like, there was a river or something, they would use the power boost and jump over the ca- you know, the river or the gap or whatever, mm-hmm. um, towing lines, and then that would lower the bridge down. So they were like, you know, a reconnaissance vehicle. They would go ahead early and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I just love the fact of it's this, you know, it looks like a tank, but it's really mobile, and it has just a big kind of jet engine sticking out the yeah. back. And I just, I think the test drive scene of it is really class and sets up. You know, you look at it and you're like, this looks like this thing can do some serious this damage later. This is coming back. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you see it later in the film, going across rooftops yeah. and the like. It's just like, whoa. But that you was know, um, really tough and destructible until obviously Dark Knight. Very realistic, though, isn't it? Like it could be yeah. a real. Is it? Is it a real car? Is it a real? It is. It is actually a real car, Lawrence. Um, it cost them, I think, about seven hundred thousand dollars to make. Um, but it was based off. I think it was some American muscle car, but they built it all around it. And you know, it wasn't just you know like a wee cover on top of a proper car. You know, the, yeah. all the wheels worked. The engine was proper. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I remember seeing a video on YouTube of it, and they actually show you the inside of it. It's not as big as you see in the movie. But there's still, you know, a proper cockpit, you know, smaller in scale, but you know, it's there and can be driven properly. Okay, it plays along with that whole real, you know, the re- the real the realness of the film, doesn't it? Really, you no. Know? Yeah. yeah. Rather than having something CGI just been plastered in it, you know, that kind or of thing. Or a car that can drive up a wall. <laughs> <laughs> so Lawrence, obviously, the Scarecrow is the main villain in this film and we see more of Arkham Asylum than we did in Batman Forever did you enjoy Scarecrow as a villain before we saw the twist of the returning League of Shadows yeah I did he was very cool wasn't he very cool good. was it Cillian Murphy the actor he was a very good actor so. um, is that his name I think so is he from your hometown <laughs> no Liam Neeson is <laughs> Liam Neeson no no it's, um, he was good wasn't he I mean it's, it's because you know, for the first Batman film in a new in a new series, it's strange having the Scarecrow. He's not really a very mainstream villain, is he? You would have thought they would have gone for the Joker first time round, but mm-hmm. he was good, yeah, well, wasn't he? That's that is that is the thing. I think that Nolan made a good, very well dangerous, but in the long run, correct decision by not just going, 
Right, let's go immediately and jump in with one of the big characters everybody knows from the previous films. Yeah. We thought, let's use somebody that is, you know, back there in the comics and all that sort of stuff that uh, everybody will be, you know, uh, you know, the wider audience wouldn't know who really Scarecrow is. Yeah, very much like, say, the Sandman and Spider-Man 3. Yeah, like, so they'll be, they'll be thinking, you know, who is this guy, what's the basis of this character, and then, obviously, you know, it is, there's no other main characters in this movie, you know, besides Scarecrow and Raz al Ghul, and I think it's a very good idea that they went that route, and I like the way he is this, you know, kind of psychiatric doctor guy, and he's basically, you know, there's the people who are getting sent away, there's like the crime lord guy who gets put away, and he sprays him with the stuff yes, just yeah. to get him sent to Arkham for yeah. his own experiments. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was good how they, um, how like it built. Uh, you know, like they said about the, the the thing, the like the water molecular thing, like uh, got stolen, and you didn't know who it was stolen by until the end when you found out Razal Ghul stole it. It was mm-hmm, great. Yeah. And when when Razal Ghul turned up at the Bruce Wayne's party, yeah, uh, yes, that was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's a class thing about. Obviously, I was mentioning about Beale's Bruce Wayne, just the way you see him in the corridor with Alfred, and he just says, Alfred this is, you know, like, basically it's going to kick off, and he just walks around the corners acting all drunk and all that sort yeah. of stuff to basically safely get everybody out yeah. of Wayne Manor before it kicks off, and just the kind of quiet talking between him and Ghoul before really just all hell breaks loose and Wayne Manor gets burnt to the ground. People, the people in Gotham City in that Batman storyline must think Bruce Wayne is not a nice person. He, <laughs> yeah, has, to, exactly. he has to make a lot of sacrifices in his life, doesn't he? Because in both films, to to get to protect people doesn't he mm-hmm. yeah. which is a lot different again to the previous Batman yeah. you know the original two Batman movies you know Bruce Wayne's out there and he's fine and Batman is still you know reasonably loved character there's never really there's only really the time where in for, uh, uh, sorry in Returns where he's thought to push the girl off the building mm. but apart from that Batman was always loved in the early films whereas now there's always the sacrifices from Bruce and the sacrifices from Batman yeah people must think he's um, a hole. <laughs> so, yeah, I think Bruce Wayne's an a-hole because he does all the stuff in these films like that party and he there was the guy who says you're nothing like your father or your father would be ashamed of you and he told everyone to yeah. leave the party yeah. he's just doing it to protect them it's good ok well obviously we we're touching on the finale and stuff there so Lawrence after the finale Batman is a hero and Bruce regains control of Wayne Enterprises so obviously we see um, Batman and Gordon on the rooftop uh, with a possible return of a much-loved villain. Um, for you, was this a nice ending to the film with the possible t- with the teasing of the Joker card? I think the first time I saw it, it wasn't so much. It was like, oh wow, they're going to make a sequel then. But then when you've seen The Dark Knight and then you go back and watch The Batman Begins, then you think, ho oh, oh, ho oh, oh, ho, this is. <laughs> I think we've hit the honey pot. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think that, I think that maybe is the case. Is obviously we've been mentioning that it was one of those ones that would grow on you. Yeah. And it does make a lot more sense. You can see where Nolan was going from. He was laying, you know, the foundation for Dark Knight, and you know, it all led to this point at the end. It begins where Batman's standing there just chatting away with Gordon. You see Gordon saying, you know, like basically, I thought you'd be interested in this. Yeah. Sees the card, and then you're like, party time, and then yeah. you go back and watch Dark Knight again. Yeah. I'll look into it. Okay, so uh, Lawrence, if you were to r- okay, if you were to rank this, um, what number would you give this? Four. 
which is it sounds really bad, but because I see, um, but I one to four for me are all so close, so they're all really one, but four for this. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a four for me as well. Oh. It's a four for me as well, which means Lawrence, we are a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, what are you going to get us, Chris, as a prize? I don't know. I might get you tickets to a Voodoo Vegas concert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty well in. I'm pretty well in with the lead singer, but I'll see what I can do. I don't know. We may sort you out with something, Lawrence. Who knows? You may get a a Ghostbuster toy from me. Ooh! <laughs> I'll not say what, but you may get a Ghostbuster toy from me. So uh, obviously, Batman has went on forever. He's had. Uh, well, Batman didn't end up going on forever in that case in those early yeah, films. But then Batman. Had a beginning, and then Batman's going to have a very dark night, so he is. It's not that dark outside, but anyway, it's a dark night, so join us after the break whenever we'll be discussing one of the finest Batman films possibly ever made, uh, Batman the Dark Knight, so we will see you after the break. Hi, this is Larry Cavi, the voice of Lionel from Thundercat. You're listening to Alan Price and Chris Vince on Operation Retroshock. Thunder. Thunder! Thunder! Thundercat! Oh! Hey guys, I'm Rob Bass from Not Mitten Box, and you're with Chris Vint and Alan Price, and this is Operation Retroshock, only on the Pop Culture Network. Hi, my name is James Etook, and you're listening to Operation Retroshock, which covers all things retro, much like Serial Geek magazine. Head over to SerialGeek.com to buy the glossy magazine dedicated to the cartoons of the 80s, like He-Man, She-Ra, Transformers, Thundercats, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, etc., etc. Hey, this is Chris Jericho and Bob. You're listening to Operation Retroshock with Chris and Alan, the sexiest beast in the UK. Nice to meet you, of
part of the plan. Hit me! Let's put a smile on that face. And welcome back to the dark night. Why should I kill you? <laughs> this is going to be great. I can't wait. And not as in Batman, Robin. Great. As in, like, dissecting it and tearing it apart. This is actually going to be legitimately good conversation. It's going to be much love to the Batman. Yeah. <laughs> much props. This, of course, it was the most anticipated Batman sequel of all time. It has grossed $1 billion worldwide and, of course, had the hype of not only most anticipated sequel, but the only Batman movie never to have Batman in the title. Was the hype worth it, Lawrence? Yes. Definitely. I actually went and saw this film, I think it was two weeks before it came out, uh-huh. Uh, in the UK so I had some friends that worked in the cinema mm-hmm. and they got me into the cinema they got me into watch it uh, and I think the film started we started watching it at 2 o'clock in the morning awesome they watched it from 2 till I don't know what time however long it was 2 or hours like 5 or yeah, half 4 yeah, yeah, yeah. half 4 5 yeah we were there from half half 4 and they got like, loads of free popcorn we watched it like loads of the employees of the cinema so it was amazing well worth it it was an amazing film so good isn't it it's just it's so good this film yeah um i remember going to see it with my dad um i just said to him you know enjoy batman begins and i said you look do you want to go and see um the dark knight you know the new batman film which was like yeah sure and um we said her mom you know like we went about two o'clock in the afternoon saying we said well you know what we said her mom will be back for about four half four you know so if you have the dinner ready so it's like we're sitting there and I, I'm looking at the watch, Dad's looking at the watch, thinking it's half four, and he's taking the phone, I texting Mom and saying, we'll be a bit late, the film's still going on, And <laughs> but it was just one, even though it was, re- it was quite a long film, you know, like, it wasn't like a, like, I find whenever I watch Lord of the Rings, like, I'm really tired after watching it. It wasn't a chore. It wasn't a chore watching it, it was pure enjoyment oh, watching yeah. it, you know, like, and then just seeing some of the things, which we'll touch on, you know, but just some of the things in the film and the storyline and stuff, it just kept you gripped. Uh, I kept you stuck to your seat. Yeah. Um, I had to went and saw this movie probably at least five times in the cinema. I adored it. It was, again, it was the fact that two and a half to three hours could go so quickly. Yes. You know, the likes of, you said, Lord of the Rings, it really felt like a three-hour movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, you would sit down and you would be watching away... And you would maybe glance down your your watch or whatever, and you would say, "What is that? How far? You know, is that how long I've been watching this yeah. already?" Um, but it really was fantastic to go and see it because it is one of those movies that, um, yes, if you watch it at home, maybe with surround sound, it's really good. But it was a real, real cinema movie because the likes of sitting in your seat. And like the rumble of, yeah. say, like the tumbler going down the street, and the, you know the explosions that all just vibrating through the chairs, and just that feeling is just it was great. I was yeah. really enjoyed it. Um, of course, we have to mention the late Heath Ledger portrays what could be considered a more sinister Joker, winning him the post-honimus uh, uh, Oscar 
Um, but did we as fans prefer Ledger or Nicholson? I know we mentioned this in the last episode, but Lawrence, what is your opinion? Hmm. Yes, because he was completely different than any other thing that Heath Ledger had had ever done, any other performance that Heath Ledger had ever done. Mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson, although he was amazing in the film, like I said, was just playing Jack Nicholson as yeah. the Joker. Heath Ledger was amazing. I heard he like locked himself away in his in his room for like two months, just was st- studying his voice on the tapes. He didn't want to sound like Jack Nicholson's Joker. Yeah. It was really was. He really put the effort into it. Why so serious, <laughs> <laughs> Chris? Um, yeah. Um, as much as Heath Ledger was brilliant in it, I would have to prefer Nicholson. I just think Nicholson. Maybe it was a case of maybe you know there were certain aspects of the Joker that Ledger watched Nicholson and said, right, I'm going to interpret that. But I'm going to twist it into this, you know. Like mm. obviously, you know, we saw a great magic trick, and you know, making the pencil disappear, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. um, nothing takes away from his performance. One of one of the best performances in a Batman movie from start to finish um, is just um, is Heath Ledger. And unfortunately, with him passing away, um, we'll not get to see. You know, like if he was going to be kept in, you know, the other Batman yeah. films, but. He's left a great film as a as a last reminder of what he can do. They're not going to recast the role, are they? No, they aren't. Uh, no one has came out and said that uh, Joker will not appear in any of his Batman movies from now on, which I think is the best choice he could ever make. Yeah. Because it leaves, like you say, such a lasting impression. In my opinion, between Nicholson and Ledger, both really good performances, but the thing for me that edges it for Ledger as the better Joker is the amount of effort that Ledger would have had to put into the role. Lawrence said that, of course, it's very Joker was Nicholson turned up to 11, um, whereas Ledger really just thought about his role and thought what he would do and to make Joker his own. And that is the defining factor for Joker because the whole... Yes, Joker in Batman, the original Batman, had his you know his sinister plans with you know the soap, the you know makeup, all that sort of stuff. But there's so many different things that Joker does in Dark Knight. Obviously, yes, the pencil check making the pencil disappear. Um, but then there's the bit where obviously I can't, I don't think the guy's ever in, but the not to sound at all dodgy but the black gang member who has his bodyguards there obviously the one that gets the pencil trick but he says I want this clown dead or alive and offers a you know ransom money for him but then when Joker arrives you know he's you know just pretend to be dead lying there in the body bag and then gets up and then obviously you know cut slices your man's throat or slices yeah. part of his cheek or something um, and then he snaps the pulk you know cue in half yeah. says we're gonna have trials so basically you know, they're going to have to fight to the death with, you know, really sharp, pointy pull cues. Yeah. It's just all those sourcing stuff. The twists of, um, he says, you don't create a plan. You know, if you say, I'm going to blow up a bridge or I'm going to blow up this, you know, I'm going to blow up, um, you know, say he's going to threaten, you know, the mirror or something. He says, people won't panic about that. He says, but if I say I'm going to blow up one little, you know, say a granny or something like that, people will be like oh that's really cruel you know and all that sort of stuff but then he goes back and he says later on he says 
it was all part of the plan. So it shows you that he's throwing things from all the yeah. different directions, and that it, he is so twisted in that he contradicts himself because obviously he contradicts the story about how he gets his scars as well. Yes, uh-huh. you know he says it was because of his wife, and then he says it was because, because of his, his dad. dad yeah. You know, he says that to Rachel, and then he explains about the scars when he's going to kill the black gang member. Yeah. So he's it's just, just he's, he, he's just evil in this film, and that's why. Although obviously it's not so much what Heath Ledger done; it's the the writing of the of the script. But the Joker in this film is pure evil, and Nicholson was a lot more jolly and jovial, with like balloons pumping out gas. And though it was still good, and that wasn't so much what Nicholson he couldn't control what the script was, but. No, the Joker in this this film was scary, wasn't he? And I just one thing I'd like to say, go back on the go back on this film was that one of my favourite graphic novels is The Dark Knight Returns. Have you uh-huh. guys ever read it? I have, I have read bits of it, yeah. Yeah, and there's a bit when there's all the vinti- vigilante Batman's going around. <laughs> yes, yes, the vigilante there's, Batman's. There's the bit at the start of this film was, which is like that, and I love that bit because that's one of my favourite favourite graphic novels ever. I I love the comment that Batman makes at the beginning of that, you know. Um, he's saying, you know, they're like, we're only trying to help, and he says, yeah, but I'm not the one wearing hockey pads. So he's basically saying, yeah. you're you're throwing stuff together. You're going to get yourself ki- killed. Wise the hell up. The thing, there was a weird wee thing at the start of the movie. I didn't get in that sense as well. Is you know, Scarecrow makes a very random reappearance. That's very random, isn't it? Yeah, because it he turns just appears up. up, and Batman just happens to be able to just go, I tie you up and leave you with the other vigilante Batman. You know, <laughs> yeah. But, I totally forgot that he was even there, to be honest. Yeah, it was, it was really just a random, you know, early thought. I don't know, was there, you know, specific reasoning to say that, you know, Scarecrow got away or stuff like just that originally, but... Kind of trying to keep the continuity between yeah, the two films. That was really dumb between the last four. Okie doke. Um, of course, uh, Harvey Dent makes a reappearance here, and is the district DA for Gotham, um... He obviously he starts showing hints of his turn before obviously he gets his face burned by the acid. Um, did we buy into his emotional torment, Lawrence? Yes, we did because there was nothing else he could do. The Joker was basically just ruining ruining all of them, wasn't he? There's the bit when um, he thought Gordon got killed. Yeah, yeah. And then he kidnapped the guy who shot Gordon, and then was just fl- flipping the coin. And then I that I totally bought into it. I I. I I can't remember the guy's name who played him. What's his name? Sorry. That's bad. No idea. Oh, flip it. I I should feel ashamed to have forgot his name at all. Aaron Eckhart. Yes, Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart. He played that role so well. It was... I bought into all of it. And it was great because... I mean, it didn't show it in the... Well, we can't compare it to two Harvey Dents, really. Well, you can. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. But, like, he didn't... He says, I control my own fate. And, obviously, he had a double-headed coin. Two heads on it. The thing, I think I would compare between the two, you know, obviously the two Two-Faces, um, <laughs> so to say, um, is this movie, no one completely controls um, how prominent both villains become and are. Obviously, in Forever, like was said, Two-Face becomes a very background character, whereas both Joker, it's nearly like Joker in this promotes Two-Face, you know, to that higher level of bad guy, obviously in the hospital, and you know, introduce a little anarchy. You know, and Two Face nearly becomes slightly more important towards the end because it's more of a personal struggle struggle for him. Yeah, the likes of Gordon's family. So it's a case of it's a really job well done, in my opinion. What about you, Chris? Um, yeah, as, as we've said, um, 
it's a case of he has more of a purpose and more of a um, reason to be in this film than say like in Batman Forever but even though he's in with probably the most recognisable Batman film in the Joker it doesn't lessen or cheapen his character and obviously as we've said you know like um, this brings the emotional side of one of the villains you know and I think he portrayed it very well and uh, even though Tommy Lee Jones is quite a good actor um, I think he vastly outperformed uh, Tommy Lee Jones as portraying oh, yeah, Two-Face. Definitely, definitely. Um, of course, obviously, we Gordon is back in this film. He is yeah. now he is now a, a lieutenant, even. Um, Gordon, once again, he's vital to this film. Obviously, the faking of his death in order to capture Joker, only to realise that it was all for nothing, and it was, as I said, part of Joker's plan. Um, did we think Gordon deserved more screen time? And, of course, he was the only one to talk to Batman at the end of the film, Lawrence? I think he got quite a lot of screen time in this film, he got, he? He, got, he got more than begins, but it's still a case of, you know... It's probably... The point could be raised that, you know, he didn't get as much screen time because of his faking of his death, but, you know, it just adds up, really. I think he is pivotal to the whole film. Obviously, like you said, I, I, I think Gordon got as much screen time as that was needed for this for the story of the film like it was good because you saw his family at the end of the film you saw his son and mm-hmm. what he was fighting for as well you know why he wanted gotham to be he wasn't just he wasn't just a police officer he was he had a family he had a wife you know she thought he died then he came back to life and it was it, you saw what he was fighting for so he, he had enough screen time for me i thought it was perfect chris yes um very very just another superb actor and he just played his part so well in this i mean obviously we've seen in batman begins that you know um a lot of the officers are on the take and he's like the only like straight laced one so obviously given that you know like he's been given a promotion then and obviously we see him go to you know commissioner and that kind of stuff um but um he's just been he is one that's integral to the part and you can, as Lawrence says, you know, like you see that um, really in this film and in the last film as well, that he's the only one that you kind of see fighting for his family. Mm. You know, um, although uh, you know, like you see his, uh, isn't it? Um, who is, isn't it? Um, the jo- is it the Joker or Two Face that captures his son? It's uh, Two Face takes his family to where yeah. Rachel died. Yeah, so like you know, you see what he's fighting for. You see the torment that Two Face is putting him through, due to the fact that he's got his family there, and you know, like he's powerless to stop them really. But uh, just a very, very important part of the film. But this um, is where this film's so clever because it, it's like Harvey Dent was the White Knight of Gotham. Yeah, and jo- Joker broke him down to turn him into this evil person that was going to kill Gordon's son. Yeah. That's why the that's why the Joker is just the ultimate villain villain in this movie. The so. one the one thing we haven't touched on, and I've just been thinking about there, is that Gordon is more than just a backup character. He is pivotal to it. Yeah. With, with with this new start with Nolan, we've you know we've been talking about we see how the roots of Batman began and all that sort of stuff, but we also see the start of Gordon. You know, yeah. it isn't yeah. just isn't just walk in and he's Commissioner Gordon he's the head of the police mm-hmm. he is a basic detective 
then he's promoted to sergeant and then lieutenant and then finally after some fantastic work and trickery by faking his death he is promoted to the top job and it becomes commissioner of Gotham Police Force Yeah, it really is not only evolution of Batman but the evolution of Gordon as a character and a person and I think it's really good that you actually see the whole new dynamic it isn't just what is this old fat man that has been in the police for maybe years and years mm-hmm. it's actually a Gordon who's reasonably young, is fighting for his family and I think it's good that the aspect of his family was brought into it and it isn't just Batman's struggle with villains there's also just that wee side part you know, if there's actually personal conflict but it also plays on Batman because obviously he's lost his parents yes. so he can see you know what Gordon's going through the fact that he could, you know, like his son, he could lose his son, and therefore his son could lose his dad, and that kind of thing. So that's why it plays on the emotional heartstrings of Batman. You know, speaking of emotional heartstrings, I think the thing I love most about, well, the favorite line Gordon says, from you know, in my opinion, in the movie is when he arrives home uh-huh. and he walks into his son's bedroom, and his son wakes up and is a wee bit groggy, and he says daddy you know he's like you know puzzled he's not sure whether his dad's real or his dad's you know like a ghost or something like that yeah it's a dream and he says did batman save you daddy and he goes no i saved him Mm -hmm. you know it's Uh it's batman was the one he actually needed saved at that stage and gordon managed to do that yeah so he isn't just a backup character in the long run it'll be interesting to see where he goes in the next movie um, of course, obviously, there was the kidnapping of Rachel and Harvey. Um, there had to be the tough choice for both Batman and the police. Um, who do they go to save? Batman, of course, um, thinking with his lower extremities than his brain, um, decides to go after Rachel. But in fact, because of Joker's, again, his plan when he was in the, um, in the police station, gives Batman the opposite address to where she in fact is he gives him the address of where Dent is so he goes off and we obviously see the demise of Rachel in a glorious explosion Um, this leads to the final rise of Two-Face obviously um, sort of say facing Batman after being taken (laughs) to the hospital and that sort of stuff how do we think did we like the way it was geared up you know going from the hospital and then chasing down you know each of the crooked cops and then finally going after Gordon's families, Lawrence. Yeah, that was great. I mean, I, I know, I know. Chris thinks it was kind of stuck on at the end. Do you? Sorry. Do you think that bit was kind of stuck on at the end, all the Two Face stuff? Um, some of it was, yeah. But I think it's you know, obviously the the death of Rachel really makes the Two Face character blossom. Yeah, you know, man. like it, that it, gives it, him. It truly does, and this, I mean. That whole thing of going around, he's like, he was he was evil. He turned into the Joker, even to be more evil than the Joker was, to be fair. Doing yeah. the stuff like putting the belt on, and then when they're in the car, the guy, he flips the coin, the the, the bent cop That's gets brilliant. away yeah. gets away with it, and then he, he flips the coin for the driver, shoots the driver in the head, never crash, and it kills him. Who was that? Was that Eric? Was that a copper or was that Eric Roberts? That was that was that was Eric Roberts. So that was yeah. the, that was the mob boss. I think that's that was a brilliant scene because just the puzzle, you know, the puzzling look on Eric Roberts' face because you know he says you know it couldn't hurt your chances to tell me who the crooked cops are. Yeah. And so he tells them you know it was Ramirez. You know, Two Face flips the coin, comes back okay, 
and Eric Roberts is all like, yeah, look, I'm fine, you know, ha ha ha. Then he just flips the coin again and just the puzzle and look, and he's like, you know, who's that for? And he goes, your driver, just, and then just flips the car. Fantastic. Yeah. It's awesome. I think it's, it just, and the reason why, I mean, this is what the other Batman films didn't have, that what you didn't know why. Although Tommy Lee Jones was saying stuff like, Bruce, you're always a good friend to me. We never got no reason why Bruce was a good friend to, to, to uh-huh. Harvey Dent. It yeah. was that they didn't say why that was, but then you saw, truly saw the reason why Two-Face was created. Was yeah. Brilliant. Um, because I think even more so in this part of the movie is the fact of the way Joker said uh, create some anarchy. This allowed a distraction you know, it allowed Joker. Joker was doing his part, you know, anyway. You know, he was, you know, the whole boat thing, you know, yeah. you know, choose, you know, blow it up or I'll blow you both up. Yeah. But at the same time, Batman decided, you know, I'm going after Joker. I have to go after Joker. He's the guy who's going to do all this ha- to harm. Yeah. But when this is all going on, Two Face is off doing all that other stuff, you know, killing the cops and all that sort of stuff, and then kidnapping Gordon's family. So Joker, even though Joker gets captured by Batman, his plan's still continuing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just. And he probably knew yeah. he got cut. He probably he probably guessed he might have been. No, but his his plan failed when, for him, one one big thing failed when the boats didn't blow each other up, did they? Yeah. People's people's goodwill fought through. Exactly. Um, of course, uh, you know, at the end we saw that double finale, um, and you were kind of saying that maybe the two face stuff was stuck on. Do you think it was maybe just a little too much going on at the end, Lawrence? No, I don't think so, because like we've already said, it was all part of Joker's plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could have carried over into another Batman film, and Two-Face could have been the main bad guy. But I don't think so. I think it was perfect. It was all part of Joker's plan. It set it up nicely for a possible sequel, how they didn't want to show um, Harvey Dent had become corrupt and gone around done all the murders he was Gotham's white knight and he was the thing that made Gotham into a pure city or trying to make it into a good city and if the people found out that Harvey Dent had turned into Two-Face it would have destroyed Gotham and that would have been anarchy for the, so it was a perfect ending for the film mm-hmm. and they blamed Chris. it all on Batman all the cops deaths on Batman didn't they exactly I don't think we saw an- we saw enough of Harvey Dent but I don't think we saw enough of Two-Face Mm. I think Two-Face would have been one that, you know, like, fair enough, you know, like, the stuff he did in the film was great, that's all, you know, granted, but um, I don't think we saw enough of his character, we saw the development of, from Harvey to Two-Face, but we didn't see enough of Two-Face, so mm. I would have liked to have seen him, you know, like, as Lauren said, you know, like, in the, the sequel or whatever, and um, it was nice to see how he... Um, the origin of well is how he actually became Two Face. You know, like that was something for me that was quite and uh, really well done. You know, it was really well done. But um, um, I think uh, unlike the the last, you know, like the fourth Batman film, whose title I'll not say, you know, like you have so much going on and so many plot lines and it doesn't work. Whereas here you have so much going on, but it works. Mm-hmm and it's enjoyable and the time doesn't drag and that's the key thing is that it's a film it's an entertainment media yeah. so it has to be entertaining which it was exactly and there's a part of me that thinks that Two-Face isn't actually dead so we'll have to wait and find that out in the next one Ooh. Ooh. speaking of the next one our final you know question in the sense is uh, 
what would we like to see from the next Batman film and who would we like to see villain wise and who would we cast as these villains Lawrence Tom Welling making a cameo as Superman mmm it won't happen but I'm a real massive Smallville fan so (laughs) well there is there is actually a plan and uh, this is from kind of another movie that uh, have you ever seen I Am Legend Lawrence Yes, yes, and uh, there's a poster up on top, isn't it? Superman and Batman. Yeah, a Batman and Superman film. There is yeah. actually a plan in the coming years for them to do a Batman and Superman film, so you may see you know, a Superman and Batman appear sometime on screen. But if yeah. they were to do that, they wouldn't have Tom Welling as Superman. Oh, yeah. They would have a guy who was in Superman Returns. No, no yeah, it's, getting, it's getting completely rebooted. He's not going to be back. Yeah, no, that's good. So but no, um, somebody fresh. It's <laughs> annoying. I would like to see that. I mean, I mean, just for me being a fanboy, I really like Smallville to see Tom Welling be Superman in the, in possibly make a cameo in it. But realistically, I don't think that would happen in the, in the Nolan tangent of films. Really, mm. um, I mean, everyone's saying that Johnny Depp's going to be the Riddler. But the thing is, what I was thinking when we were talking about Two Face, with the, how these films are quite realistic and how they could actually happen, the way they'd done Two Face was so good. Yeah. You, you know, it wasn't this eccentric comic book character that had a, like a split base with like white and then this like heaven and hell. It was um, it was a proper realistic character. It'd be very interesting to see how they'd done the Riddler. I mean, yeah. I, I, if it's in the Penguin, how could they do that? Yeah, I'm trying to even think of who they would actually cast as the Penguin. Personally, for me, I think Fern Troyer. <laughs> no, um, for me, I would like to see Penguin making an appearance in. Nolan's universe because I would like to see how Nolan would approach the character because he's been very smart with the way he's approached the likes of Joker and Two-Face and all that sort of stuff so it'll be interesting to see where you know what would Penguin's backstory be you know would it be similar to Returns or what would it be for me an actor who I think would be very good as Penguin um, he's not you know a Danny DeVito like or anything like that but I think he's a very good and capable actor that could pull it off is Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah, I think they've said that he could be he could be the penguin, haven't they? That would be I would love that. I think just the way he can you know if you look at uh, Mission Impossible Three, the way he plays the bad guy in Mission Impossible Three, just the tone of his voice and the evil you know in that voice, I think would be perfect for a penguin. I honestly can't think of anyone um, who I want a, maybe somebody like say a Cameron Diaz or someone like that as Catwoman. Well, speaking like of Catwoman, the way obviously we had in begins we saw the joker card mm-hmm. that was kind of a hint towards dark knight we see the comment after the initial opening fight with uh obviously there's a vigilante batman's and all but he's attacked by dogs yeah and he goes back and he says to lucius you know i need better you know body armor and all that sort of stuff and he asks you know will it do okay against dogs and lucius goes i suppose it'll do okay against cats yeah i see that as maybe another drop and hint towards the possibility of catwoman in the next movie but they do. I, I, I just hope they do it good. I mean, because the third movie of of films is normally not is, of superhero films is normally pretty bad. Going over the previous few years, like obviously X Men Three, I thought was terrible, and um, but was it was the other one? Spider Man. Spider Man Three was awful. So yeah. I think I I'm tr- I trust in Nolan. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think he'll rush it. He'll take his time. He'll work it out, and he'll make sure it's good. Because I don't think he's the sort of person that'll. No because I think he's planning that either this or one one more 
um, is going to be the last in his you don't want universe. You don't want another Schumacher on your hands. No, that's exactly right. You really don't. You want the Burton, you don't want the Schumacher. Well, that's what Nolan says. He doesn't want to stay as welcome. Yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> but uh, finally, I think we all realise what this is going to be. So, rank, Chris? Uh, what did I recognise? Two. Um, Lawrence? One. And one for me. <laughs> So, full house by me and Lawrence. I want prizes, millions of them. Give me that syringe pen you got from the game uh, yeah, conference. That's mine. Huh? <laughs> Brett. But uh, me and Lawrence, full house, Chris, you let us down. Yay, so I have a difference of opinion. <laughs> well, we'll round up here by um, a bit of a quick fire here of other stuff. Uh, so, uh, favourite Batman actor, Lawrence? Ooh, can I pick two? No, one, quick. Yep, it's quick fire. Quick. Oh, oh, oh. Ledger. Okie dokie. Uh, Chris? Keaton. Uh, Ledger, for me, when it comes to a villain actor, which we're going to touch on, Batman actor Keaton. Uh, oh, 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 I'd go for that as well. Okay, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Favourite villain, as in just the character, Lawrence? As in the character, yes. uh, Ledger's Joker. Joker Nicholson. It's Ledger again for me when it comes to the villain, and then You're such the copycat. It's true though; he was very good at. Shh, oh, fine, fine. Um, <laughs> Lawrence has already done his favorite villain actor. It's going to be essentially mine as well, anyway, because it's Ledger's the same character and Nicholson. Nicholson again, fair enough. Um, this is going to be probably a wee bit more of a thought. Uh, Lawrence, favorite moment in Batman movies? When the credits roll at the end of Batman and Robin. <laughs> well, that's 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 actually acceptable. Fair enough, Chris. Um, whenever you see the birth, uh, no, the end of Batman begins. Whenever you see the Joker card turnover. Card. Yeah. Um, for me, it would have to be, um, and this is sadly um, me and my car. Fellas. George Clooney's nipples. Okay. No, <laughs> me and cars is just the tumbler, just throughout the entire series. Okay. And the sadness that's- I felt in Dark Knight when it got blew up. Can I uh, go for another one as well? My, one of my favourite, I mentioned it when we done Batman Returns, was um, when Walken was going to push Michelle Pfeiffer through the window. And he'd he yeah. done it, and then he didn't, and then he did. No, he scared her. That was awesome. I think that must have been ad-libbed. That was awesome. I love that bit. Very, just evil. That's sweet. Um, do you have a favourite music track that stands out, Lawrence? Uh, the Danny Elfman score from the first two um, Batman films. And it was um, obviously the score for the uh, cartoon as well. Sweet, Chris. Yeah, just like the Danny Elfman Batman tracks. The real, the real, track. yeah, the yeah. real orchestra stuff yeah. really hits yep. home with it, so it does. Yeah. That's the same for me. And uh, obviously, again, I'm not the best with quotes, but Lawrence, do you have a favourite quote from the Batman series? Probably, um, why so serious? <laughs> and also, I really like, uh, you know, you have a dance of the devil in the pale moonlight. Sweet, Chris. Those are my balloons. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, just those are my balloons, and uh, uh, I can't really think of anything from Batman Begins. Um, no, those are my balloons. I think for me, it would probably be the likes of Danny DeVito's Penguin, and just the sort of things he would come up with. The likes of I saw her first, just all the wee quick snappy lines from. Yeah. <laughs> but that is us. That is Batman complete. So. We will round up by passing it over to our good friend Lawrence with uh, a little promotion that he would like to do for his future. 
involving Fu- Voodoo Vegas and Future Endeavors. <laughs> Future Endeavors. <laughs> yeah. With Voodoo Vegas and a certain band called Fozzy. Oh yes, yes. Well, we are playing with uh, Chris Jericho's Fozzy, who I believe is 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 going to be a guest or has been a guest. Has been, has been a guest. Yes, has, has been a guest on uh, on Operation Retroshock on in Yeovil and Southampton on October nineteenth and twentieth. But if any of you fine listeners of Operation Retroshock would like to check out Voodoo Vegas, please check out VoodooVegas.com. If you like the music video, leave us a comment on our Facebook page on the uh, on the message board, and I will uh, send you the send you the song from so on kind. Are you guys going to play the show out with that? Are you? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yes, we will always play um, the awesomeness that is Voodoo Vegas. Yes. So, Lawrence, uh, we just want to thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you back on again after our Ghostbusters and WrestleMania 8 discussion uh, to discuss Batman and taking up not one but two episodes. So, hopefully, you're happy enough with that. Thank and, you. Uh, just thank you for uh, supporting the podcast and being a loyal friend of the podcast. And hopefully, we'll have you on again at some stage. Thank you, yeah, very. I'd, I'd love it. I've got to say to everyone that listens, that you got to tell all your friends about this podcast because I love it. I always listen to it. So <laughs> definitely tell all your friends, invite all your friends to the Facebook page, spread the word of Operation Retro Shock. It's Sp- a great podcast. Spread the word and spread the love. But uh, <laughs> with, the that, <laughs> <laughs> with that, with um, that, obviously we're going to have Voodoo Vegas for so unkind to play us out. So uh, I've been Chris Vent. I've been Alan Price. Who have you been? Lawrence Batman Wayne. Okay. Case. And um, <laughs> so, thank you all for listening. And uh, what have we got coming up next? We've got stuff coming up next. So uh, just listen to Voodoo Vegas and uh, enjoy. Yes. And uh, Alan, last word. <laughs>